Everybody is a blockchain expert, right? Everybody is an expert in fintech and the financial system. But today on episode number 279 of CXO Talk, we are speaking with somebody who genuinely is an expert and who's genu genuinely doing something about it. I'm Michael Krigsman. I'm an industry analyst and the host of CXO Talk. Today, we are speaking with Alexander Bockelman, who is the Chief Digital Officer of Unica Insurance Group, which is a large insurance company. It's over 200 years old, based in Europe. Before we start, I want to say a quick thank you to Livestream. They supply our video streaming infrastructure. They are longtime supporters of CXO Talk. And if you go to, to uh, livestream.com slash CXO Talk, they will give you a discount. Now, before we go any further, two things. Number one, there is a tweet chat happening right now. Go to Twitter using the hashtag CXO Talk. You can participate and you can ask questions of our guest today. And I want you right this instant to tell a friend about CXO Talk and be sure to subscribe on YouTube. So please do that right now. With no, without further ado, Alexander Bockelman, thank you for being here. This is your second time on CXO Talk. Michael, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure being here and thanks a lot for that very uh, emotional uh, start and kick off into the talk. Uh, I think the audience is cheering you on and uh, I don't know how I can ever meet that. So uh, you set the bar very high indeed. Well, you know, I need all of the cheering on that I can certainly get. So Alexander, uh, you are the, the chief digital officer at Unica Insurance. And so please tell us about Unica Insurance and tell us about yourself. All right. Um, as you said, uh, I'm, I have the pleasure of being the uh, Chief Digital Officer at Unica. Uh, Unica is uh, a multi-country, multi-line insurance company offering um, all kinds of insurance services from life, health, PNC, commercial, small industrial. And uh, our regional presence, we have a, our headquarter in Austria. Um, and you said we are uh, based in Europe. Yes, we are one of the largest groups, uh, insurance groups uh, in Eastern Europe. Um, outside of Austria, we have about 16 other countries, most of them in Eastern Europe, and that ranges from Poland in the north to Albania in the south to Russia in the east. So uh, you can easily think of Unica as being uh, an Austrian company with uh, very strong ties to the Eastern European markets. Okay, now, Alexander, you are the chief digital officer. Previously, you were the group CIO. So please tell us about your role. Yeah, it changed a little bit um, until, or I, I joined Unica in 2013 to build up a new uh, uh, centralized IT service company. So stabilizing the IT as a basis. And also it was part of our Unica 2.0 strategy to get our ducks in a row um, for further innovation and uh, further ideas that we had down the road. So one of the building blocks was to actually build a new IT service company across our uh, regional um, footprint. And uh, I did that uh, with the team for about two and a half years. And mid of 2016, Unica uh, basically announced uh, a major multi-year 500 million euro innovation program, um, how we want to change our company 
uh, going forward. And as part of that, I had the pleasure to start building up a digital team. And that responsibility grew uh, over the time of 2017. And um, we also decided, or kindly enough, the board decided to ask me then um, to take on the responsibility as CDO for the group starting in January of this year for both the Austrian and the international markets. So as chief digital officer, what what are you responsible for? What is the scope of your work? Uh, the scope of the work is basically in three pillars. And we build our digital team not around technology. We build our digital team about the customer. So at the core of our digital team, and actually the founding starting members, the first three employees of our digital team, were the core of our customer experience team. So that is essentially the um, uh, at, at the core of, of our endeavor in the digital space. Around that, we build um, uh, what we call very innovative name, Team Digital, it's called, where we build basically three pillars. One is the customer experience. They decide um, what are the customer journeys, what they do the customer research, they involve customers in product development. Then we have a second team there, which is the digital solutions. They work on front-end solutions from chatbots, apps, portals, um, customer relationship management, everything you could, uh, as a techie, you could say everything upside of the enterprise service bus for sales and customers. And uh, the third pillar in that team is a new data team, a data scientist team that is helping us uh, with predictive analytics, machine learning, and those topics. But that's only one part. That's the traditional part of the CDO role. Um, creating essentially new customer journeys and experiences. We added two additional pillars to that that we can maybe touch on later on, which is the topic of open innovation and the topic of uh, our Unica Ventures team. It's also fascinating that you're a board member, which I suppose uh, reflects the, the great importance of this digital work uh, for an insurance company that's 200 years old. Yeah, we have a very proud history, um, over 200 years, as you mentioned. And uh, as I meant, I also mentioned before, our innovation program in 2016, our group CEO, Andreas Bannstetter, basically announced that our his opinion and our opinion is that traditional insurance will not be obsolete, but will reduce its competitiveness in the traditional model over the next five to 10 years. And um, when that was basically announced and decided, you need to take action what to do with that. And as part of that, um, multiple roles were created. One is basically um, the CDO role. And uh, in Austria, we also uh, introduced uh, an, uh, an additional board membership for market management, customer and market management. So that symbolizes two things. One is that we are shifting from a product to a service company. Um, and we have a strong focus on changing essentially or expanding our portfolio um, based on a very strong uh, insurance uh, knowledge and basis, more into um, customer service, holistic customer service development. And then also to um, realize that there are multiple trends out there that change the insurance market, which is new technology, new customer expectations, and the shift from buying the best product to buying the best experience. Um, you could say that products like Apple and Tesla might not be the, the best phone or the best mobile car, but, but they create an, an ecosystem of services, which is amazing. 
and um, that is a, a strong selling proposition. And something similar is happening in the insurance space, where there is a move away from pure risk-based products to more predictive, preventive, and holistic service delivery. So you'll have to elaborate and explain on this because as a layman, I look at insurance and I see it's all about risk. And you're talking now a shift away toward from, from that towards customer experience. And so please connect the dots for us how that works. If you think about health, for example, you could say a traditional insurance offering was to reimburse you your medical expenses after some, something happened. Uh, the only touch point you then have is basically buying the insurance and then sending your medical bills to an insurer to be reimbursed. Um, more modern insurance companies, they're, they're focusing also on the aspect of making sure that you stay healthy. So the preventive services, how can you basically... Um, do enough uh, sports, uh, do healthy activities that you never or as minimal as possible get into the position to require medical aid. So moving from a, from a making you financially whole aspect to keeping you healthy aspect is one thing. In Austria, for example, um, we traditionally already have a very expensive uh, service offering outside of pure risk-based health services. Um, we integrated private hospitals. We integrated now a new service where we have an emergency room service outside of the regular working hours, so overnight and on the weekends. Um, we have health trucks that go to companies to do preventive medical screening for the employees. Um, and you could think about it, um, you could also add a concierge uh, service to that. So when you when you maneuver in the health uh, ecosystem of your respective country, that Unica could be there to keep you healthy if something happens, to manage uh, that process very conveniently and efficiently for you so that you get all the medical help and attention on a first-class basis as you deserve, and then get healthy as quickly as possible and stay healthy again. Over the whole course of that journey, um, Unica could provide you services instead of just being a traditional reimbursement company. That's the difference between customer journey and experience and traditional health insurance. You know, it's interesting. We had on this show the chief marketing officer of Aetna, and he was talking about uh, giving discounts on, say, Apple Watches to engage their customers in their own health. And it sounds like you're following a similar kind of approach or at least philosophy. It's basically to provide um, support and attention to a healthy lifestyle. Our vision and our mission is to provide a longer, better and safer life for our 10 million customers. And um, those are actually aspects of that. But you touch on an interesting topic. That's why I'm dodging the bullet there. What are you doing with that health tracking data? Um, I have a health tracker, so um, I'm, I'm gathering that data and, and myself, and I, I share it also. But do people feel comfortable sharing it with an insurance company um, is an interesting topic. And then also the concept of insurance is that you, that you have a portfolio of risk where you um, balance the risk between those that are uh, higher risk and lower risk. If you know gather individual data from people, being it on health, on mobility, on behavior patterns, 
you get into an ethical discussion how to use that in an insurance context. And uh, that's why currently we are, we are not using that in the health aspects like some other companies. Um, however, uh, in mobility, for example, we are uh, for years now very active in the telematic space. Um, but there it's basically part of the service um, to be able to be there in an emergency or in a case of need with your telematic box in the car. So it sounds like you are looking across your product line and your buyers to determine the various points at which you can collect data so that you can then have greater insight into what's going on with that insurance purchaser. Is that a correct assumption that I'm making? Yeah, it goes in the right direction. I would add to that that we are very conscious and, and we are very focused on making it transparent what kind of data is used where to our customers and um, uh, following basically the philosophy there that it's the customer's data and they need to decide when and where they want to share it. Um, so that is, uh, you, you need to have a convincing reason to use the data to get a customer value-adding service delivered. In some cases, it's part of the service. If you want the service, there's a certain data sharing you need to do. Um, but we want to be very transparent what data is used where and when um, so that our customers always have, a, have an understanding of what's happening and there is no big brother effect where suddenly some insight is popping up and you don't know where that comes from. So the ethics and the considerations around privacy and how to use that data, it sounds like is uh, uh, baked deeply into your thinking around being a digital organization, digital company. Exactly. So um, nowadays you have a lot of capabilities and opportunities to gather more data, being it from sensors, from IoT devices, from smart cars, homes, um, whatever. and you need to be very conscious which data you're using and which, uh, for which purpose, and you need to be very transparent about that. And, and um, that's a focused topic that we are very conscious of. However, you're touching on another interesting point, which is insurance companies in the past are a little bit like medieval castles. So they, uh, they let down the drawbridge when they sell you a, a policy, and then they pull it up again, and you are in there, and your data is in there, and... Um, uh, there is no data sharing with anybody. But the, the essence of digital is connection and networking. So if you want to play in a digital world, you need to open that medieval castle um, curtain wall and be more um, permeable and share information and data across your, your partner network. And also, if you want to provide that holistic set of services that we discussed, you need to... Um, build also a service ecosystem which is sharing information and data. And that, that is a new capability that you need to build from my point of view in, a, in our more and more digital world. How do you do that in a company which, as you said, traditionally is, or an industry traditionally is, is like in a medieval castle where the data comes in and it never goes out and it's not shared? And at the same time, in a company that has a rich over 200-year history of operating a particular way, how do, you, how do you drive that kind of change? I think driving the change is, is um, 
it doesn't matter if you're an insurance company or if 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 you have a 200 year old history or a 100 year old history i think um new business models and and digital transformation is always approaching or and leading to the same resistance in the organization the resistance is often coming not because people are not believing in the change because they're in their personal life they're using some of uh, the advanced services potentially but people are creatures of habit and if you want them to change their habits and work differently it costs energy so obviously you need to provide a reason why they should invest that energy and get to a new mode of operation and uh, there are different ways how you can uh, approach that one is um, culture is only changing when you change experiences so uh, get away from powerpoint um, rotate people into digital teams uh, let them experience new ways of working new um, methodologies and then rotate them back into their organization and with that build build a, a community of change agents um, because Transformation and change is also a team sport. So you cannot do it alone and you need to build a critical mass to get to the tipping point. Um, that that would be my comment to that. It sounds like you built a, a structure or a plan that was based on a number of different elements. The pillars you described, the change plan, the data privacy aspect, it sounds like like you are have have considered the ecosystem aspect, considered many many different dimensions as you are trying to drive this this really deep transformation inside the organization. It's basically a, a stepwise approach. So um, the first step was built with the not quick wins, but with building the basics. Meaning there are just some table stakes you need to have nowadays to compete uh, in the market. So. You need to have a customer engagement platform. You need to be able to engage customers in a mobile-first way. Uh, the next wave around the corner is the voice-first um, uh, topic. Um, maybe after that, we get into virtual assistance further down the road. Um, so you need to basically build some, some components and basic capabilities as building blocks, as Lego blocks, so that you can reuse them for new opportunities and business models. That is where we started. That's the digital team working on mobile, on chatbot, on portal, on what everybody else is doing. But that is not the end of the story. That's just building the basics. The second topic then in parallel to that is um, a company has often not the capability and the intention to radically reinvent themselves. Companies are usually focused on evolutionary change, making the day-to-day -day more efficient, more effective. But that's only one out of five dimensions that, that we think you need to tackle when you think about um, uh, the digital. So the overarching one we already touched, which is changing the culture. The second one is, is not a new one. Everybody's doing it since the invention of IT, which is using IT and automation to standardize your internal processes and procedures. That's the internal focus. So first culture, second internal focus. The third dimension is the external focus. You need to shift the perception away from internal efficiencies in, uh, and, and towards customer experiences because your solutions will look differently if you, if you basically switch into that role. And if you are brave enough to, to encourage customers to participate in the product and solution development, that's a very interesting experience. Um, 
And then that's the third column. The, first, the fourth one is the data aspect, where we were historically very good to understand the past. In some cases, we were able to predict the present, but we were not very good to think about the future. But if you want to have preventive and predictive services, you basically need to do that. And one of the learning is that you, that you most likely need other data than the one you have used in the past. So data science, machine learning, AI, that falls into those fourth dimension. And the fifth one is then the cherry on top. If you combine the first four, you actually might have the building box in place to build new uh, endeavors, new opportunities, and business models. And in fact, we have a question from Twitter. Arsalan Khan asks, regarding your movement towards AI, how is Unica using AI and also considering these issues of customer privacy and avoiding bias in the data as well? That's a great question. And, and, and I want to touch on the last aspect first, because that is one I think that is, that is actually a bigger scale challenge. Um, if, you want to, if you follow down the AI, AI path, you give more authority to a machine. The machine is only as good as it gets trained. It gets only well trained if you have the right data. But if there is an unintended bias in the data, your AI machine will also have that unintended bias and your decisions will be biased. So um, I would never say that we are perfect in our, in our data cleansing and data preparation, but we are very conscious of, of that uh, danger. And uh, we are using the, the usual statistical and, and control group approaches to see if, if we have an unintended bias in our data. Um, so that was the last aspect. Um, how do we, how, what are we using AI for? Um, we also went through a learning curve and maybe sometimes it's good also to share what's not working. So um, what we tried to do is teach AI picture recognition, which doesn't sound too difficult, but we wanted to do it for, um, for basically automating claims when you have glass breakage. Uh, a table, um, your cooking field, your saran cooking field or whatever. However, I learned a lot about that because there's, it's not trivial to differentiate uh, fake and true pictures. It's not trivial to differentiate different uh, uh, severities of damages. So AI is a great tool, but never underestimate the training efforts. And um, also, uh, we use it right now in automatic bill checkups, in, uh, in natural language processing capabilities for our chatbot, um, and uh, in related internal activities. The next thing we are thinking about is uh, actually personalizing uh, customer journeys um, based on AI algorithms. That, that will then be uh, an interesting endeavor as well. Let's talk about these customer journeys and customer experience. And it's certainly related to one of the core pillars you were describing earlier, the shift from being a product to a services company. So maybe talk about how you, how you think about uh, that customer experience and, and these customer journeys you were just describing, please. So in the, in the past, I think um, many companies, us included, we sometimes... Uh, tried to move an old business model on a new channel. So we, we moved our existing processes and, and products on an online channel. And, and like many of those endeavors, that was not too successful. What you really need to do is you need to um, 
you need to satisfy what customers are ex expecting in the journey. They they need to, they are expecting that it's relevant for them, that it's in the right context, that it's transparent, that it's easy, and that it's enjoyable. And um, if you take that into consideration, your solution will look differently than if you take internal process efficiency as your primary target. For example, um, in the past, we, we, we had some templates that were asking questions where you really need to be an insurance expert um, to, to answer them correctly. But if the customer would have answered that question correctly, it would have been easier for us to route it to the right expert and, and give a very fast and responsive service. However, for the customer, it's not relevant. They, they're in a moment of need. They want, uh, they want help. They want a reimbursement. They want claims or benefits. And they want to have it easy. And um, all the complexity you need to mask out of that. And you need to think about the complete um, customer experience lifecycle. We started just thinking about purchase, right? You just put something online and think, cool, e-business, there's a product out, out there that will buy it. But you need to think about all phases of the customer journey, getting an awareness of the product, informing it about it, um, then actually doing the service, then uh, the purchase, then think about the after-sale experience and so forth. Um, and customers want different information at different stages in their journey. And to have that uh, automated, that, that we understand in which context, from where is a customer coming to our web page? Has he been there before? Uh, is he already looking for a product or browsing? Um, you need to provide different content, and then you will also have a, a different conversion and customer experience. Is this way of thinking about customers very different from how Unica and the insurance industry in general thought about customers in the past? I think actually that is that is true for insurance, and that is true for many other industries. Um, the consumer tele uh, electronics and, and the services that emerged with the usual suspects like Netflix, Amazon, or, uh, or others, they provided a level of service and immediate gratification that many others did not. And that's why nowadays you are not only competing with your peer in the industry from a customer perspective, from an experience perspective, you're competing with the best in the mobile world out there. And um, that is setting a totally different bar. Um, and to stay relevant, you need to en engage that game, uh, play it with your team, be successful, uh, and uh, open yourself up for new uh, approaches. And that's why we have that second pillar in our digital CDO realm, where we are basically saying, we talked about the first one, which is the customer experience and the solutions. The second one is the one of open innovation. Um, I already said that it's, it's usually quite hard for companies to reinvent themselves. So we are, we are now um, opening up ourselves to also engage different uh, sources of innovation. We are partnering with universities. We are partnering with startup accelerators. Um, we are a founding member of uh, Central and Eastern Europe's largest uh, startup accelerator here in Vienna. Um, we are working um, with, with non-profit organizations, company building organizations from the universities, um, just to support both our, our environment here in Austria and Vienna um, and the innovation ecosystem, but also to get experiences outside our own industry because that is what is needed if you want to 
move from a product to a service provider. You need to partner with other companies and you need to find new solutions. And the third pillar in that one is then um, the whole topic of fintech and insurtech. Um, obviously, we are now talking about uh, insurance. Uh, I think the last count by Venture Scanner in January was something in the order of magnitude of 1,470 VC-funded insurance companies. Um, and uh, if you think about the impact of that on the insurance industry, it was a radical catalyst for uh, innovation and also competitive pressure. Um, and uh, I'm from Hamburg, Germany, a uh, harbor town uh, or city in, in northern Germany originally. So um, when you're swimming or sailing, you can read about it. You can, you can watch YouTube videos. But at the end of the day, you need to go out there and get wet. And that's why we have the, the third pillar in, uh, in the CDO realm, which is uh, our Unica Venture team which is acting as a, a strategic and financial investor into the startup ecosystem so that we also learn there um, what is working, what is not working, how are startups working. Um, and uh, that's an interesting journey as well. I guess this explains all these pieces, why you are also now a member of the board of directors of the company, because clearly you're, you are reaching throughout the, the, the tentacles of what you're doing extend so far deeply through the company and its business model and its strategy and its relationship to customers and, and, and so forth. We're seeing the digital part as an enabler for all the other functions. So it's, it's basically our approach for a matrix organization, you could even say. Um, I, I do not have the biggest team. I do not have the biggest budget. I, I, I don't want both of that um, because... It is, a, as I said before, it's a team sport and um, you can only be successful if you collaborate with the different functions. So we always want to have a business ownership in all our digital activities so that we also work cross-functionally within our organization. And that is, that is also a learning curve we are moving through, which is not easy because traditionally insurance companies are very silo-oriented. And you hand over the ball from one silo to the other, but usually you don't work um, uh, very intentionally in cross-functional teams. And um, that is what is needed. And um, the, the opportunity, obviously, to do that on a board level is a great opportunity because, A, you learn a lot, which I appreciate a lot. Um, and the other one is you, you transition from a CIO role, which is often like the the nervous system of a company, but very much focused on the status quo and keeping the lights on in the daily business and doing all the firefighting so that customer and services are being served. Um, but there is usually not a lot of freedom and opportunity to think about tomorrow or the day after. And uh, in the CDO role, I now have the privilege and the opportunity to work with my business peers to think about tomorrow, to think about our customers, what might they need tomorrow or the day after, and uh, try out new solutions and, and come up with new ideas. And I would say that's also the difference between the two roles. There are many CIOs that are extremely successful, that are critical for their companies. Um, they, are, they have evolved to be a business partner 
but only part-time business partner because 80-90% of their work is still the day-to-day -day grind of keeping a complex company working. And in the CDO role, you have more degrees of freedom to work on, on what's next. And uh, however, you also are a change agent with a ticking timer um, and I don't mean that I'm going to explode but I mean that if if CDOs are required for too long a time then they somehow fail to get this new way of working into the DNA of the company their role should evolve as well because there should not be such a change catalyst required after after some time um, and then they need to move on to the next opportunity being it I don't know customer chief customer officer or something like that but the company should then work in a in an appropriate way for our digital world on a day-to-day -day basis anyway so that customer experience piece really is right directly at the heart of the digital transformation and digital digital relationship with with the outside world well it's in the heart of our business model as an insurance company we we are on a very personal level, safeguarding the life, health, and mobility and, and other aspects of our customers. So customer focus is, is, is our, our core uh, value for the longest time. However, providing our services and uh, supporting uh, surrounding services in our time and, and moment right now requires to do it just differently than we did uh, 10, maybe even five years ago. Um, insurance is moving from a push relationship sale where an agent is advising you and, and, and providing you a risk product more to an experience sale. Um, you need to offer online and offline capabilities. It, it needs to be not an either or um, because customers have different needs at different time. They want to be self-reliant, self-sufficient online um, on their own. Uh, in, in one moment, but on another moment, they appreciate very much if they can call somebody to get help and service or meet with somebody. Maybe they want to do it in a different way. Maybe they want to use a video call. Maybe they want to use a chat, maybe a personal meeting. But if you're truly customer focused, you should not dictate how they want to engage you. They should pick and choose what they are most comfortable with. And I think that's also a different approach of digital. What are some of the challenges associated with this journey that you are on? I think the number one challenge is that nobody knows where the North Star is. Nobody knows what model is actually successful uh, in the next three to five years. Many people are trying a lot of things, um, but uh, you can just... You, you just have to try it and, and, and learn from the different steps. That's challenge number one. It would be easy if you would know this is the equation to solve, and when I've solved it, all is good, but that's not happening. The second challenge is that the change and the innovation in the market and the technology space is just picking up speed as we speak. Um, life will never be as easy as it is today. Change will never be as slow as it is today. It's just accelerating more and more. And uh, that is challenge number two. So the rules of the game are changing every day. And uh, challenge number three maybe is changing the culture in that light speed that technology and markets are changing because it just takes time. You cannot take 
thousands of employees and people and say, hooray, next Monday, we all have red sofas and we are working all differently. It doesn't work that way. Um, it takes time. It needs, you need to change the day-to-day -day experience. And that, that is leading to a situation where technology is changing exponentially, but organizations are changing logarithmically. So one is moving like this and the other one is moving like that the gap gets always bigger. And at some point, you need to decide what part of the change do you need to do outside of your company to have a new baseline to start from? And that is a whole different interesting discussion um, when to do that and how to do that. And thus, the pillar of open innovation that you were describing earlier. Exactly. Exactly. And also the topic of Unica Ventures with regards to um, is there a corporation partner out there that can help us uh, close some of the gaps because they are coming from a different level and we can piggyback on their success. Let me ask you, so then really the, the goal of Unica Ventures, what, what, what is that? Unica Ventures gives us two opportunities. One is to act as a strategic investor into interesting uh, younger companies that uh, we want to strategically partner with to develop new uh, services and business models. That's then closer to our core business and extending our core business. And the second part is acting as a financial investor. You could say a, a, a small regional VC approach um, with the intention to observe and learn how trends are developing, even though they might not directly be connected to the core business. So it's more driven out of the um, aspects of financial return and innovation learnings. So that is, and the vehicle for that is our Unica Ventures. And it's the combination of uh, both of those together, the financial return, but equally tied to the to the innovation dimension and helping see where the future is going and where Unica can go. Exactly. Uh, the, the key to that is then not to be greedy and to have a small minority stake, because if, you, if your stake is too high, you're already a strategic investor and your culture is, is uh, influencing the startup and the young company. And that is exactly what you don't want because they are on a different trajectory and you want to observe with more a hands-off approach um, how that is going uh, and not influence them to become the next incumbent. Now, something that we have not talked about is blockchain. And I mentioned at the start of this program that if you look on LinkedIn, it seems half the people on LinkedIn right now have announced that they are blockchain experts. But you're actually doing stuff with blockchain. So, so where, how do you view blockchain? I think data scientists and blockchain experts are, if you put that in your CV, your salary goes up 25% or exactly. something like that. That's right. Um, and uh, I was joking at some time that if we want to have a spike in our, in our, um, uh, in our stock market uh, evaluation, we, we also follow the trend to rename us into something like that. But um, all joking apart, I think blockchain is a, has the potential to be a, a very game-changing technology, not as much as artificial intelligence. I would add that that, that is even bigger. But um, blockchain has some very cool features, and you could argue um, 
like some of our peers are saying, uh, Richie Tanu and others, that if the society accepts at some point that blockchain is something else than cryptocurrency and is saying that blockchain is offering trust, transparency and, and incorruptible, uh, the incorruptible truth, so to speak, then business models using blockchain could just have a competitive advantage due to the fact that they're using blockchain. So an existing business model is in danger of being replaced by its clone just by virtue of using a blockchain. That would be an extreme scenario. Um, but on the other hand, blockchain is also a mega hype and uh, it's like a great solution that's looking for problems to solve. And now everybody is throwing problems at it and, and is looking what sticks. Um, I think there are a few great examples out there that work well. One of which we have picked is uh, the sovereign blockchain and the topic of e-identity and know your customer processes and procedures. We are right now piloting with a small consortium of Austrian companies, a pilot where we are uh, checking if we could use a sovereign-based blockchain e-identity to uh, authenticate certain customer characteristics uh, against each other. What I mean by that is, Imagine you get a blockchain EID. Now you're going to a bank and you open an account. The bank can then um, flag on your blockchain ID that you have a, a monthly income of X or you exceed a certain threshold. With that, you could go somewhere else and get a loan with a different bank or so forth. Um, an insurance company could certify that you have a certain cover um, the postal office can verify your address. Um, you, could, you could go on with health uh, service providers. Um, and the beauty of that is that for the customer, he gets complete transparency about all these aspects of his person. And he can, via the blockchain, um, in a very transparent fashion, give temporary rights to use that information or also only provide a minimum information. For example, if you need to prove um, that you're 21 or older, um, it could just say, yes, you're 21 and older. It doesn't need to say that you're, I don't know, 43. Um, so that is the KYC and the e-identity space. That is the one where we are right now experimenting with blockchain. So you see uh, blockchain as potentially really viable uh, to be part of your business? The short answer is yes. I think for, for some of those processes and procedures like uh, know your customer, I would, I would definitely say yes. Um, I think for reinsurance or, or, or other experiments that you see out there, there might also be opportunities. Um, it sounds very easy or satis or, or um, endearing if you think about the idea of smart contracts. Why insurance is so easy? Why can you not do it in a smart contract? Um, I wish it would be that easy and maybe we find services and offerings that are just a binary yes, no, and you could do on, an, on a blockchain and I think examples will occur, but getting something like a flight cancellation insurance and so forth is not the same as you get a holistic medical coverage or um, an end-to-end -end mobility service. Um, that is a little bit more complex than a simple yes no question and building that on blockchain will still people are still figuring out how to do that 
Okay, and we're, you know, this has been a very fast 45 minutes. We're almost out of time, but we have an interesting question from Zachary Jeans, and a number of people have retweeted his question, so I think it's, I think people care about this one, which is, how do you handle resistance to change as you bring digital transformation to a company? There is maybe no silver bullet. I think what is working is um, engagement. So rotate people into digital endeavors to learn about the methodologies, explain the why and the how. Why are you changing something? How are you changing it? Because as I said before, um, people are creatures of habit. So you need to explain why they need to change. Then people usually are afraid of the unknown. So you need to explain how you're doing it and how it will impact them. And uh, um, those are two of the, the major um, levers that, that I would uh, suggest to follow. And the next one is be transparent about um, what's working and what's not working and celebrate also your mistakes because uh, it might be that, that otherwise... Um, you do not you lose the connection to your organization if you are just a satellite uh, being out there and nobody knows what you are doing. So we try to um, uh, build cross-functional teams, get people on board, um, get them as change agents um, to learn the new um, capabilities, bring them into their respective organizations, and um, that is one one way of uh, engaging and and mitigating those resistance. Okay, and finally, we're we're out of time, but you know we have a lot of CIOs that that watch this show, and as somebody who was CIO, group CIO, now is chief digital officer, member of the board of directors, what advice do you have for a CIO who finds herself or himself in the situation you described earlier, which is? spending their time having to maintain operations as opposed to be a value-added innovation partner to the business? What advice do you have for CIOs? I think Legacy Mountain is, is one of those things that every CIO dreads about and, and is not very happy about. So if you, if you can manage to mask the complexity by decoupling your back end from the front end, you get some capabilities to get showcases in the front end and, and build momentum and um, show that IT can deliver things in a different way and fashion. And then I always say it's, it's about the five C's. It's, you need to be curious. You need to step out of your role and, and, and see IT as an integral part of the business nowadays. Um, the, the boundaries are just blurring. The second C is... You need to be caring. You need to um, advocate your custom, the best for your customers and your employees. Both are basically, they want the same experience they get in their personal life with, with, from other service providers. And um, you can bring a different perspective to the table. The next one is to, um, to build change, meaning um, take the ownership of a change agenda. Uh, a lot of the change nowadays is IT-enabled at least team up with your business peers and engage them on their ideas, challenges, and opportunities, and then be competent. Because if you're at the table and you speak with your peers, you need to build trust and um, don't fall into the trap of using just the buzzwords that are out there um, to, to do the smoke and mirror thing. Um, but if you actually have an area of expertise, leverage that. 
and then engage the community. Um, most likely your company has limited uh, capability of innovation. So leverage what's out there, engage uh, other companies, engage your peers, build networks, and bring those ideas back to the table in your company. I think those would be uh, good approaches to, to bring change into your endeavor. Okay, great advice for CIOs. Well, we are out of time. What a very, very fast 45 minutes this has been today. We have been speaking with Alexander Bockelman, who is the Chief Digital Officer of Unica Insurance Group, which is based in Vienna. Alexander, thank you so much for coming back and visiting with us today on CXO Talk. Michael, it was a pleasure as always. Thanks for having me. It's an honor and uh, I enjoyed it very much. Thank you. Well, I'm looking forward to the next time as well. Thank you, everybody, for watching episode number 279 of CXO Talk. Next week, we are speaking with the head of the Innovation Lab at Neiman Marcus, the huge uh, retail department store, together with Brian Solis, who is one of the top digital transformation analysts out there. So come back and join us next week. Thank you so much, everybody. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe on YouTube and tell a friend right now. Thanks so much. Take care, everybody. Have a nice day. Bye-bye.